you guys want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Second uh, Peter chapter 1, that's where we will get started. Blake didn't read the wrong verse. I'm using, I'm using all of Second Peter this morning. Um, and that, that was kind of the point of, of uh, actually the, the lesson. I didn't know what I was going to speak on. I, I, I didn't really have any ideas that were kind of firing me up, so I asked a friend what she had been studying. She said, well, I've been reading Second Peter every day this week, and I, I, I keep seeing jump off the page diligence. So I said, all right, I'm using that. That's what I'm going with. Um, and it, it turned out to be really good. So if, if you like the lesson, I don't get any credit. If you don't like the lesson, I get all the blame. Um, Diligence for me, I, I, I have no idea if you guys think like this, your brain even works like this, but when I hear the word diligence, it is never a happy thought. Like, and, and I was thinking about why, and the first thing that came to my mind was it's, it's got a D and a G in it, just like drudgery. <laughs> I kid you not, that is exactly how my brain works. I was like, diligence is like drudgery. I mean, that's, that's just the emotion I have attached to it. It's, it's not something I'm like, oh... I woke up this morning, I get to be diligent today. I'm so excited about being diligent today. Because um, I'm not, right? And I, I, think, I think part of that, I'll, I'll be honest after this lesson, part of that is un, a misunderstanding of diligence. Uh, it's not drudgery. That's not a synonym of it. Um, but also the value of, of diligence and, and really what it is and what it accomplishes um, is, is something too be excited about. And you may not walk out of here excited about diligence, but I hope at least you walk out of here uh, not associating it with things like drudgery uh, or pain or, or anything like that. It's, it's a useful tool that we have at our disposal that God encourages us to use. Uh, so I, I do want to read um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15 first. Um, this, this is interesting because Peter knows his death is near. And he, he states that in verse 12. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. He says he wants to end his life in diligence. Not that he would have some kind of name or, oh boy, you know, Peter, that, that Peter guy was a very diligent person. But there is a purpose to it, right? Um, he wants them to be able to recall the spiritual thoughts, the things that he's, he's left behind when he has left. That's another misunderstanding I had about diligence. I was like, diligence is all about me. Right? If I want more money, I'm diligent at work. If I want a nice-looking yard, I'm diligent in the yard. If I want a clean house, I'm diligent in the house. Right? And all those things are true. Right? I mean, diligence can accomplish things. Like I said, it's this general tool. But when Peter says, hey, I'm about to die, and I still want to be diligent to the point of death, not for himself, but for others, right? So there's, there's the first thing that you might get excited about diligence is it's a tool you can use for others. 
right? To bless the people who are around you. So in kind of in short, in this little capsule, right, Peter's last recorded letter, at least, is, it, is this example of diligence, right? He talks about diligence within the letter. We've read some of these verses, and we'll read, we'll read more. But it in itself is this manifestation of, of diligence. The fact that it even exists is a manifestation of Peter's diligence that Christians would be able to remember the things he taught. Right? So there's another, some, maybe something else to get excited is diligence lasts longer than you do. Lasts longer than your body does. We'll just we'll say it that way, right? When you leave, right, your diligence can leave something behind, valuable. So with that in mind, it's no wonder, right, as, as Blake mentioned already in the first part of Peter, that he opens the letter, but then what we, what we read is he closes the letter with calls for them to be diligent. Let's look, again look in 2 Peter chapter 1. There's a couple of passages. Verse 5. Now for this very reason also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. And then there's this list that goes on and on and on. But he starts by saying, you need to be diligent about this list of things I'm giving you. These activities you need to be engaged in. These characteristics you need to take on. He doesn't say, right... Now, for this very reason, in your faith, supply moral excellence. Right? I just skipped it. Right? Applying all diligence, do these things. Also, in, in chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, at the end of the list, right? he's got this little mini bookend thing going on. Right? Beginning of the list, apply diligence. End of the list, verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Be all the more diligent because you know these things, right? And then, of course, the passage we read, if you want to turn over, we won't read the entire thing. Uh, Chapter 3, he's closing out He's closing out the letter, and he's, he's talking about how the world will end and what the fate of the world is and all of these things. He says in verse 14, I'm just going to re- reference verse 14 again here. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, right, the passing of the, of the earth, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Okay, so we have this letter where Peter says... My diligence has produced this letter to you. And within that letter, he says, you need to be diligent about these things at the very beginning. And at the very end of the letter, he says, you need to be diligent to be found in him. Right? So I'm, as was proposed to me, I'm proposing to you. This letter is about diligence in general. And in the details, right, the things we should be diligent about. The benefits diligence provides for us. So I'm going to suggest only three things, right? I'm going to do the classic three-pointer. There's, there's probably a hundred, right? I'm going to suggest three things that diligence provides us. Protection against false teachers. Look in Second Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. 
But false prophets also arose among the people. He's speaking, he's speaking of, the, of Israel now, the Jews. False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. Bringing swift destruction upon themselves, many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. He doesn't say that these things might happen. He, he says, there will be false teachers among you. He's not like, you know, it's kind of a, a chance thing. Hey, this church might get some false teachers, and hey, this church might never see a false teacher. He's writing this to people saying, there will be false teachers among you, and they come in secretly. They don't come in with a sign on their forehead saying, I'm a false teacher. Get ready, because here comes some false teaching. They come in looking like me. Personable, maybe. Maybe quiet. Right? And they secretly introduce destructive heresies, right? I'm just going to plant a little seed of false. 99.9% truth, 0.1% false. Right? That's how... That's how it happens. That is what Peter is saying is real. It's not a chance. Right? So diligence, though, protects us against these destructive heresies, against following them in sensuality, against exploitation by false teachers. Look also in chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. I'm not talking about how yet. We'll get to the how in just a minute. I'm, right now I'm just making claims. Right? And your challenge to me in your head should be, all right, you need to back this up. Right? We're going to talk about the how in just a second. I'm, I'm making claims right now. What we just read in those first three verses, diligence on my part will protect me against those things. That's my claim. Look in verses 19 and 20. Also speaking about these false teachers. right? This, is, this chapter is the false teacher chapter. Right? You can take this chapter and go to Jude and line them right up. Right? 19 and 20. Promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. My claim for you is that diligence will help us discern true freedom from slavery. Diligence will help us avoid entanglement in the world's defilements. And the reason I'm just making these claims is I want you right, to, to think in your head, is that true? What, what, what scriptures can I think of that would back that up? I'm going to give some. Right? But I, what I'm trying to show is that there's an importance to diligence by just making the claim. These are some pretty nasty things that happen to people, right? Being entangled in the sins that you left behind. And now your state is worse than it was before you ever heard the gospel. I mean, that, that's about the worst thing that could, that could happen to a soul. I can't think of a worse thing. Because if you never hear the gospel, right, you can't respond to it. And now, all of a sudden, you're worse off than you were. I can't think of a worse thing. Diligence 
can help us avoid that. All right, second thing. Protection against, so the first thing is protection against these false teachers and the false teachings that come from them. The second thing, protection against discouragement. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. 2 Peter 3, 1 through 4. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the, big, from the beginning of creation. So my claim is diligence protects us against the discouraging lies of a world ignorant of God. The world that is ignorant, willfully or not, right, is not going to tell you things that encourage you in your walk. (laughs) They can't. They're not standing on the foundation to provide that encouragement. They might tell you nice things. Hey, you know, your hair looks great today. You see what I'm saying? That's not an encouraging thing. That's that's just a, a pleasant thing. That's a nice thing. People are nice, generally. People cannot be encouraging generally if they're not standing on the word. They don't have the foundation. Right? Now, there might be a happenstance where they say something because they're created in the image of God that lines up with what God teaches. But that didn't come from a foundation. Diligence will protect you from the world that is ignorant of God and telling you things that are not true. Like, where's the promise of his coming? You say Jesus rose from the dead. Why isn't he walking around here? You say Jesus is good and God is good. Why are these people getting shot? You say Jesus is coming back. And it's been 2,000 years. Right? That's exactly what Peter's saying is going to fill this earth. Is mo- people mocking Scripture. It's not, again, it's, it's not like, oh, this could happen. This is real. Right? And my claim is diligence can protect you against that. Not stop it. I, I, I'm glad I caught myself where I went too far. Your diligence in, in whatever we're going to talk about here in just a minute, in, the, in diligence in life, is it going to stop these things? It's not going to stop false teachers. And it's not going to stop mockers. It's not going to stop these things from happening. It's going to protect you. Right? Okay, the, the, the third and final thing. Protection against apathy. Look in uh, 2 Peter 3, verses 11 and 12. Again, uh, the, the context is... This is, you know, the fate of the world. Things are going to be destroyed. It's going to be burned up, right? Verse 11. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening 
the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. Now, for me, apathy is kind of similar to discouragement, but apathy for me comes from within. Right? I just become apathetic. I don't need someone around me telling me to be apathetic. It, it happens. Right? I think, based on this passage, diligence helps us maintain focus on the type of person we're supposed to be and not just become apathetic. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm not hurting anybody. I don't need to develop these characteristics because nobody around me needs them, right? I don't need to be generous. Nobody needs my generosity. I don't need to be kind. I don't interact with people. You know, whatever your excuse is, right? No one expects me to be kind, so therefore I'm not hurting them if I'm not kind, right? I I love that one. I use that all the time, right? I mean, again, to kind of fool myself, right? Lie to myself. I'm at work. They don't expect kindness. They expect efficiency, so I don't need to be kind. Right? Well, well, that's a lie. Right? That's, that's falling into this apathy thing. It's like my character deep down doesn't, doesn't matter. Right? What matters is the circumstance I'm in and whether I'm appropriate to the circumstance. Well, that's not true. Peter says here, what sort of people ought you to be? Knowing that everything you see with your eyes is going to be burned up. What kind of person are you supposed to be? Focused on efficiency? No, right? I mean, yeah, you, to do a good job for your employer, you, you want to work in a, in a good way. But that's not your focus. It's not who you are. Right? So let's get into the application talk about the how. Just a few verses that reflect back on these three, three things. Diligence, like I said, is this general tool. So I, I've made all these claims. Diligence helps me do this. Diligence helps me do that. Diligence protects me against these things. Well, okay, Richard, you know, I'm diligent about making my bed. How's that helping me? Well, okay, it's not, right? I mean, that's not protecting you spiritually, right? By the way, I am not diligent about making my bed. I hate making my bed. Um, and so, since it doesn't protect me spiritually, I don't do it. <laughs> That's my excuse. All right. No, seriously, but like diligence, we, it's this generic thing. People I, I know that have nothing to do with Christianity are very diligent workers at work. Right? They've employed this tool of diligence to accomplish something. And it may not even be a selfish or a self-centered thing. They want to please their boss. Like they're, 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 by nature, they're pleasers. Right? And that's not a bad thing. Right? But that's not going to protect you spiritually. So how, how do we use diligence? So, you know, the first one. Diligence, ha- well, okay, diligence has to be applied to a course of action. Right? It's this tool that you apply to something. So what course of action helps you identify heresies, sensuality, exploitation by false teachers, slavery to sin, worldly defilements? What do I take diligence? Where do I take diligence and apply it to, for those things? Study and practice what you study. Look in John 17, 7. Now I'm going to rattle off some verses. I'm going to try not to go too fast, but we're just going to bounce around some. John 17, 17. Right in the midst of, of Jesus' prayer to God before his, his betrayal and crucifixion, 
He's praying for the apostles, specifically in this instance, but he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Okay, well, that sounds to me like a defense against heresies and following after sensuality and being exploited by false teachers and slavery to sin is knowing what is true and what is sensuality or, or what, what is slavery to sin? What does it look like? If you're not exposed to the truth on a regular basis, you can't answer those questions. All you can start with is a statement that says, I think or I feel. That's all you can do. Well, what you think and what you feel doesn't define truth. It, it might accidentally line up with it. And I've, I've told you this, I cannot stand lying in myself or other people. It drives me absolutely insane. But that's not because God hates lying. I just happen to line up with Him, right? So there, there are things that you might think or feel where you happen to line up with God, but just because I hate it doesn't mean that it's, it's true that lying is bad. The reason lying is bad is God hates it. Right? This is how you this is what you apply diligence to. Study. Second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen. Very well known couple of verses. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. There isn't a good work you can come up with that doesn't come out of Scripture. If there is, this, this verse is false. Scripture equips you for every good work. If you've come up with a good work that you can't find teaching in Scripture for, then it's not a good work. That's how you apply diligence to protect yourself against these false teachings. Someone comes in and says, hey, Richard, this is a really good work. Let's, let's go do this. Well, okay. I'm going to find the verse that says this is a good work. And then if you can't find that in faith, right, you need to slow down. The last verse for this one, Hebrews 5.14. Again, I'm pulling these out of the context that they're in. He's in the midst of... He, he, the, the, the writer of Hebrews just sort of introduces Melchizedek to these people and then he kind of catches himself and he's like, man, you guys can't handle this. You're children. I'm about to feed you some meat. And that's kind of what Hebrews 5.14 is. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Practice. Right? I can read 2 Peter, 1 Peter, whatever, all day long and sit in my home and never come in contact with another human being and have no idea how to practice patience. Because I've never interacted with another human being. I, I mean, right? Maybe I've got a pet I've got to practice patience with, but, right? Do you see what I'm saying? We can't withdraw into these monasteries 
of our houses or even the monasteries of our local congregation and expect to be challenged enough to practice the things that we're learning. And if we don't practice, we're not going to be able to discern good and evil. Because the writer of Hebrews says that's how it happens. You practice what you learn. All right. The next two are much quicker. I only have one verse each. So the second one, what course of action protects me, protects you against discouragement? I, take, I have diligence, and I'm, de- I'm determined to be diligent. What am I diligent about so that I can protect myself against discouragement? Examination, and again, this is my, my answer to that question, Richard's answer. Diligent examination and meditation on the promises God has made. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Diligent examination and meditation on the promises God has made. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 11. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, and he's talking to them in the context of those who have died and those who are still alive. There were people concerned right, about the return of Jesus and being alive or dead. So that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. The world is going to, even not unintentionally, they don't, there has to be no intention on the part of the world to discourage you. Right? Just All you have to do is just look around. People may not even be speaking to you, and you're discouraged by what they're doing or how they're living. Jesus didn't die to give us the life that we live now. You ever thought about that? I used to think, like, this is the life Jesus died to give me, is the life of a Christian. Well, I think from the eternal perspective, this is like, it's not even like a blink. It's not even the, the, a, a hair's weight compared to eternity. What Jesus died to give us is a life that we yet hope to experience. Right? That's how you fight against discouragement. If, if you want to build a wall against discouragement, you need to be diligent in understanding and internalizing the promises he's made to you. All right, finally, what course of action protects us against apathy? Just not caring, right? Not really being discouraged, but just apathy. Diligent action in the kingdom. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, the very, the, the, the very end of the chapter, the last five verses, 54 to 58. This has become my favorite chapter in Scripture. I will go to this and just read this, not of like fleshly entertainment, but just like joy, like reading this chapter. I love this chapter. Verse 54, But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, 
Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. There's no reason for a Christian to be apathetic about our work, our existence, our walk. Because right here, he says that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Right? means that any toil in the Lord carries weight. It's not like grasping after wind, right? Ecclesiastes. It's not like just blowing. Every toil in the Lord has weight, has value. That's how you protect against apathy. You don't just read this verse and say, oh, well, nah, I'm not going to be apathetic anymore. No. You find some toil to engage in regularly, diligently in the kingdom. It, 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 to me, what it reminded me of is a, is a quote, well, probably not a quote, but maybe a writing from C.S. Lewis. I, I, I have found this to be 100% true. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the greatest secrets. When you are behaving as if you loved someone, you will presently come to love him. I can tell you from personal experience that is absolutely true. I think it's the same thing with this work apathy battle. Right? You may say, you may go to work in the kingdom for one day, right? And say, I'm toiling in the kingdom for a day. And you're like, well, I, I don't feel it. Right? I still have this apathy. Well, that's what diligence is. It's not a day. Diligence is a life. And I can tell you again from personal experience, when you're diligent about doing work in the kingdom that's focused, right? And when I say in the kingdom, I don't mean you're out preaching. What I mean is you are doing some work that you have found that's a good work God says go do, Christian. Right? That's work in the kingdom. And you're diligent about that? Apathy evaporates. I, I, and I don't mean like it's easy to fight off. What I mean is like you're just, you're like, you're waking up each day and you're like, okay, you know, I got, I've got more work to do. I've got more work than I thought I ever would have had. Because you're thinking of new ways you can go work in the kingdom. Diligence in working in the kingdom is your greatest defense against apathy. Now, this isn't some psychological trick, right? You might think, well, you know, this is just kind of, it's, it's to trick yourself into thinking it, right? Well, it's a, it's a truth about the power of doing things we were created to do, and I'm referencing Ephesians 2.10 in this. God's good works were what we were created for. The reason this works this way, right, this is what you were created to do. I mean recreated as a Christian. Right? Not a, not, as a human, you were created to glorify God. We, we all failed. We didn't. So he recreated us in his son to do the good works that he, he established before we ever existed. Ephesians 2.10. Right? The reason that these things are fulfilling and this works against apathy is because that's what we were designed to do. The puzzle piece fits. Right? It's, not, it's not a psychological trick. And that's the lesson.
I picked out three. There's something that you struggle with. There's an answer to that struggle by applying diligence to something in Scripture, right, that we can find to fight it. But I will, I will give this, I think, contextual, make this contextual claim, particularly here for us in, in the States. The greatest threat to diligence, in my opinion, is peace. When, when you are starving to death, you will work 18 hours a day for food. It's easy. You're starving to death. I haven't met anyone in the States that's starving to death. Take that and apply it to every aspect of life. Peace, right, which we all want and we can all enjoy, is the greatest threat to diligence if we're not careful. Peace is the time to be diligent so that when the trial comes, you're ready. So that's my encouragement to you. Be diligent while it's peaceful, before the trial comes. If there's something that you need help with today regarding this, there's something you're struggling with, there's something that you know you haven't been diligent about and you want conversation, you want prayers, you want to let us know, please do that before you leave here. Part of the reason that we meet here besides glorifying God is to encourage one another and build each other up. If you need building up, let us know. Blake's going to come and lead us in a song at this time.